world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. This week on Parents Are Hard to Raise, Diane's special guest, award-winning investigative reporter Gretchen Hammond, pulls back the curtain to reveal the grisly truth about a shady practice the court systems don't want you to know about, and how your parents are at risk of losing everything. Join 180 million monthly subscribers who can now listen to Parents Are Hard to Raise on Spotify. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert, Diane Berardi. It's been called a civil death for those who fall prey to it. The proper name is guardianship. It's an arcane system rooted in medieval English law, and it's running amok in modern-day America. When a person, say your aging parent, is unable to manage his or her own affairs, he or she may be deemed incompetent by a judge, who, by the way, doesn't even have to meet your aging parent face-to-face -face, or even inform them, or you, that a judgment is taking place. When this happens, the court often appoints a professional guardian, a perfect stranger to take control over every aspect of their life, effectively stripping your parent of their identity and their property. Instantly, your parent now deemed a legally incapacitated ward, becomes a non-person. As a result, they lose control over every decision and aspect of their life, meaning they can now be told where they will live, where they may or may not go, who they are and are not allowed to see, and what they are or not allowed to eat. Access to their homes, mail, bank accounts, retirement and Social Security income, life and health insurance, wills, trusts, property, even their passports, driver's licenses, and voter registration cards are all taken away and put under the control of their court-appointed guardian. In as little as a year, your aging parent could be rendered completely indigent. Their homes are gone, as are their savings and investment accounts, cars, personal belongings, keepsakes, heirlooms, jewelry, and even their clothing. How can this possibly happen in 21st century America? Here to tell us is award-winning investigative reporter Gretchen Hammond, who wrote an amazingly candid five-part expose series entitled The Fortress, which ripped the top off America's closely guarded probate system, revealing the shocking truths inside. Gretchen Hammond, welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. It's a pleasure to be here, Diane. Thanks very much for inviting me on. You know, I, I want to ask you, how can this possibly happen in 21st century America? <laughs> well, you've got me. I tell you, I, when I first um, heard of this, I, I had never heard of guardianship before. 
and I was writing for a Jewish publication at the time. And there was a book uh, written by a Jewish author by the name of uh, Dr. Sam Sugar. And I um, read it, and I was um, just doing a, a feature on it. And I was reading it, and I'm just reading it absolutely my, my gobstruck. I mean, my, my mouth dropping open. This doesn't happen in the United States. What, people taken from their homes? Right. I mean, no constitutional rights, all the constitutional rights stripped. This does not happen. And, um, you know, I, I went ahead and wrote this 700-word feature on it, and I sent it off to my editor. And he was the same way. He goes, this doesn't happen. This is, this is nonsense. It's, it's absolute nonsense. You, you go back and, and find me some examples if you're absolutely sure that this is real. Right. And it's not some sort of, you know, um, uh, conspiracy theory. And so I went back and um, I found some contacts. And, I f and the first one I found was a person in Michigan, a woman named Mimi Brun, whose mother had been taken from her uh, and placed under guardianship because of a past due bill owed to a nursing facility. Shoot. And she was stripped of all her civil rights. She was virtually imprisoned inside of this nursing facility, isolated from her daughter. And it took her daughter two years to free her. And goodness knows how much in court costs and emotional damage and financial damage. And uh, after I published this story in June of 2018, I got calls from all across Michigan. Wow. Um, this, was, this happened in the Oakland County Probate Court, which is a sub, uh, suburb of Detroit. Um, you know, it's, it's a rather, it's a, they call it one of the wealthiest suburbs in Detroit, but it's sort of a, there's a mixed bag um, of, of areas. And where the probate court is located is one of the poorest areas in Detroit called Pontiac, Michigan. Um, but I got calls from across the state, but mostly focused in Oakland County saying, you know, you should have heard my story. You should have heard my story so it led me to believe that there obviously something something systemic was happening yeah. there and so um in july of 2018 i set out on a self-funded investigation wow. um to figure out it, whether anything systemic was happening there and eventually i was able to bring on three wonderful researchers from wayne state university as well as tim mulholland who is a certified fraud examiner he was based in chicago and between all of us, we dug into 2,078 separate cases, all of them filed, I should note, by outside agencies, that is um, adult protective services, okay. social workers in hospitals, attorneys from hospitals, we even saw cases filed by accounts receivables managers from nursing homes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was all these bizarre petitions for guardianship. And, um, and we were seeing reasons that were just... I mean, they were outrageous, Diane. And there were things like um, bipolar, um, altered mental state. I have no idea what that what even means. What does that means. mean? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yet they were being placed under guardianship. We found families that had been placed under guardianship, Gosh. husbands and wives who'd been placed under guardianship at the same families. time. Families. Sisters, um, uh, durable powers of attorney, medical powers of attorney. They tell you in the United States, you know, you've got to get those forms right. settled as part of your estate planning. And people would do that. And then these judges were just routinely tossing them out for no reason whatsoever. These petitions were being filed with no medical evidence, absolutely no medical evidence at all. They were being filed for bizarre reasons, um, reasons that you couldn't even verify. One of my favorites was fell down in the parking lot of Costco. Oh and, you know, yeah, absolutely what was on the, on, the, on the seat. And, you know, and then they would send out a guardian at Lighton who is a person who's supposed to advocate on behalf of the proposed ward. Right. These individuals, by the way, were elderly and developmentally disabled individuals, oh. all races, religions, anywhere from 19 to 98 um, was about the oldest that we saw. 
And um, these guardian licenses would go out and visit them and say, you know, um, and they'd all make recommendations for guardianship and they'd all say, well, the ward waives their presence at the hearing. But when we actually got talking to the wards and their families, they said, well, the guardian license never came to visit us. Really? Um, and or the guardian license did come to visit us and said, well, we didn't need to be at the hearing, um, that they would take care of everything. And, of course, they were just as naive as I was when it came to guardianship. And so, you know, these people were yeah. placed. Sometimes they would have emergency petitions. So the ward wasn't even told that they were going to be placed under guardianship. Oh it just happened. And we basically, all these cases were uh, presided over by four Oakland County probate court judges. And um, they belonged to four Oakland County public administrators. Now, what those individuals are, Diane, are people... Under, 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 actually, under Michigan statute, what they're supposed to be is they're supposed to just um, take over deceased estates when there are no living heirs. So okay. if you were to pass on without any heirs, then they'd appoint a public administrator to distribute, distribute your assets. But what these guys were doing were they were acting as guardians and conservators outside of the public administrator job description. So they were doing it as private attorneys. And between them, they had well over... 1,700 open cases at the time that we started the investigation. Oh, my um, God. Some of them had four to 500 wards each. And there is just no way that one person, maybe two or three assistants, can handle that many people. And what we were seeing is that these individuals, yes, they were stripped of all their civil rights. They were removed from their homes, all of them uniformly, about 98% of the time, within a month of guardianship being initiated and being handed over to one of these public administrators. They were being removed from their homes and placed in either long-term care, uh, assisted living, or um, what's called an adult foster care facility. But some of them were unlicensed. In other words, they hadn't been inspected by the state. Oh my gosh. They hadn't been looked at for <laughs> staffing, for safety. Right. And these places were just, I mean, they were horrific. They were utterly horrific. Um, one of the things I will never forget is that we went to a group of unlicensed nursing homes over Thanksgiving weekend 2018. And one of them, um, we appeared on a Saturday evening and um, uh, they, we, we went in and we saw a refrigerator. And it's actually in the article, a picture of it, that a padlock, the, the, the nursing home before they had left had oh, wrapped a chain around the handles of the refrigerator, padlocking it shut. Oh. And there were three women in that home who had nothing to eat except for McDonald's, which luckily one of their, um, one of their sons was able to bring in once every, once every day. Otherwise, they would have totally starved. Oh. And one of the women, a name like Carolyn, she'd been under guardianship for two years, and she said, I said, what do you have to tell the world? She said, get me the hell out of here. And, you know, she, I mean, she was sobbing and this, that, and, the, oh and you know, gosh. it was just, yeah. it was so hard to say, sort of remain emotionally detached sure. from that. I mean, what do you say to that? Um, you know, I could oh. say I could do my best, you know, um, right. we went out actually, and then we went, went and got them some more food and some slippers, just something. Yeah. Um, so just to tide them over to when these people are gone because they've been foodless, um, since oh Thursday. Thursday. And how do you, they left. how do you leave them? Right. I mean, I'm sure you, I couldn't, you, it was so difficult. Sure. It was so difficult and we had to move on. And then, you know, the other thing we started finding were these homes, all of the, you know, these wards homes, you know, they had real estate, they were sold with 
within, oh, I would say, uh, again, two to three months. A lot of these sales had been, you know, they'd only been, the home had only been on the market for a week before it was sold. It was always sold for under market value. We looked at about 59 homes and they were sold for a total of about $2 million under market value <laughs> to local investors. Um, there were a group of investors who were attorneys. There were a group of investors from the Ukraine who also owned um, some unlicensed nursing facilities. And they were buying up these probate homes uh, and then flipping them inside of three to four oh months for full price. Um, and then everything else would before the home was sold, that the guardian would go in, they'd do a walkthrough. And then the next thing you know, they're getting someone to come in and totally clean it out. Everything gets tossed in the trash, memorabilia, clothing, I mean, anything that's not of value. And then, you know, the things that were of value, we looked at the Guardian's accounts and there was no accounting for it. So we didn't know how much, how many dollars in jewelry or how much, how much in cash was found. Um, and there was overbilling, massive overbilling. And we, we found money that was missing somewhere in the region of four or $500,000 um, in one case. Um, and, you know, it was impossible to add it all up because you're looking at 2,278 cases and a lot of it was money that had just disappeared. Yeah. And also, these were people, this was the most heartbreaking thing. These, there were people who were veterans. There were gentlemen oh, who were veterans who had fought in World War II and had been placed under guardianship and just disposed of, literally disposed of, um, as if they were human trash. Um, and one of the most heartbreaking cases was that of Billy Garner, who was a World War II Navy vet. He was placed under the guardianship of a gentleman named John Munger. And he was dead within two years from oh. scabies mites. Oh, my uh, gosh. In the nursing home that he was placed in. And every penny of his $128,000 by the time he died had been spent. He had nothing left. So it was gone inside of two years. And that was the most bizarre thing. Right. Um, these individuals are literally rendered completely impoverished, depending on how much money they have when they go into guardianship. By the time they were done two to three years max, they were thrown onto social services like Medicaid right. and Social Security. They had nothing left in the bank. So all that planning they had oh. done, all that estate planning, um, you know, the 401ks, the things that you are told in this country you're supposed to do right. were totally worthless. Yeah. And that was one of the most heartbreaking things. Um, the families who were trying to push back would end up, you know, being punished by these judges by being isolated from their loved ones almost routinely. Um, you know, they, the guardian would come in and say, give an ex parte order, which means an order where the other party isn't present or the families aren't present to isolate these individuals from their loved ones. So they couldn't see them. And there weren't very many attorneys who would take on their cases because, as one attorney told us, you know, I can't fight these judicial appointees. We get punished for it. We get sanctioned. Oh, my gosh. Um, one attorney who spoke to me on the record was a gentleman who had fought for the estate of Rosa Parks, the, um, the famous, um, uh, she was a famous woman who, um, you know, was, was one of the famous women for civil rights. Right. And her estate was literally depleted by two attorneys. Oh and um, one of the attorneys that spoke, that spoke up about it, um, he ended up getting uh, hauled up in front of the um, Mich uh, Michigan um, uh, Board of um, uh, Accountability Board or the uh, Attorney Board, uh, Attorney Discipline Board. And he got, um, he ended up almost losing his license over it, um, just for speaking out. So that's the kind of thing that these attorneys were facing. And, um, you know, so there really wasn't any way out for these folks. Right. Um, you know, it really was a life sentence. It's like, it's legal abuse and thievery. I mean, it, it, it makes absolutely no sense. 
and and for us as children of no, it doesn't. You know, and, uh, we do powers of attorney. You know, we do what we're told to do, all the proper paperwork. So it, it doesn't seem possible that all this can happen. No, and 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 I don't. I, you know, I don't entirely think it is legal. I, I think what they're doing is beyond the bounds. Of, of Michigan statute, obviously, you know, taking money from these individuals right. and underselling their homes is not what they're supposed to be doing as right. guardians. And yet they were doing it almost routinely. And I could tell that something was definitively wrong um, with what they were doing. And they knew it because when I would walk into that courtroom and I always used to say, I'm just a girl with a press badge. Right. And I would walk into that courtroom. And most of the time, you know, when you're an investigative journalist, that you know, you, you tend to see... Um, this kind of sort of like nothing to see here kind of expression. You know, it's sort of like you're digging down, you, you, you know, you're, you're going up the garden path. There's nothing here. There's nothing, mm -hmm. nothing, nothing going on, nothing wrong. But when I went into this probate court to watch a case or to monitor a case or to even to go to the computer to look at uh, court files, I mean, I felt like it was Elliot Ness busting into a speakeasy. Oh, I mean, there was a palpable reaction yeah. from everyone in that court. And that included the sheriffs. Um, the Oakland County sheriffs who were who were sort of monitoring the three entrances, um, kind of like really, really nasty TSA agents. I mean, <laughs> oh, my God, terrible, terrible. They were just I mean, they would single me out for strip searches. Literally, oh they would gosh. take me into another room and start taking off my clothes. And saying, yeah, they would. Absolutely. Saying they were looking for recording devices. Um, one of them. One of them, who I used to call Kojak. I used to friendly call him Kojak because I didn't even know what his real name is. He never <laughs> let me get close enough to his badge. But he used to trail me around with this gruff, nasty-looking expression on his face. And he was constantly after me. He wanted to bust me for something. Yeah. Uh, one day, for example, it was raining outside. I brought in an umbrella, um, and I put it in the X-ray scanner. And this guy, Kojak, starts taking it apart. And I said, what are you doing? It's a cheap little umbrella. He says, there's a recording device in here. And there's no recording device in here. Q didn't give it to me before I left. It wasn't an MI5 sanctioned recording device and umbrella. I said, tough luck, Kojak. Sometimes an umbrella is just an umbrella. And, you know, and this guy would, you know, follow me around glowering and stuff like that. I mean, it was they were trying to intimidate me sure. as much as they could. We're going to continue talking with Gretchen Hammond. But first, if you're a woman or there's a woman in your life, there's something you absolutely need to know. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick 
to stop 2,000 pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on demand using the iHeartRadio app. iPhone users can listen on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts. Want a great new way to listen to the show? Just say, Alexa, play Parents Are Hard To Raise podcast. Getting the latest episode of Parents Are Hard to Raise. Here it is from iHeartRadio. It's as simple as that. You're right, Dolly. There are so many really cool new ways to listen to our show. It's hard to keep track. You can join the 180 million listeners on Spotify. You can listen in your car, at the gym, or pretty much anywhere on your smartphone with Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can get us on Apple TV, DirecTV, Roku, And like Dolly said, you can even ask Alexa to play the show for you. It's great because you don't have to be tied to a radio anymore. You can listen when you want, where you want, for as long as you want. And if you're listening to the show in one of these new ways, please do me a big favor. Share this new technology. Help someone else learn about the show and show them a new way to listen. So Gretchen, um, I'm wondering how... Do people become professional guardians? Well, the folks that we looked at in um, in Michigan, they right. were all attorneys. Okay. Um, so they were all probate attorneys or estate attorneys or elder law attorneys. Majority were probate attorneys. But what I could see from, uh, you know, across the United States, um, you know, as we started expanding research, is that anyone can pretty much become a guardian. Um, you know, I mean, even they just had a case in uh, Pennsylvania right now where the person with a criminal record was was uh, appointed a guardian and, of course, oh, found out that they, they'd stolen money from their wards. I mean, so again, it seems like anyone can become a guardian. Um, and there's very, very little oversight. And there certainly isn't in Michigan. In 30 years, we traced this back 30 years in Michigan. Wow. And there hadn't been one single arrest of a professional guardian or any cases brought against any professional guardians. And this goes back through multiple uh, governor administrations, multiple attorney general. And here's what, here's what, here's what happened. Um, and, this, and this, to me, is one of the most bizarre aspects of the story. Um, we, the new attorney general, a new attorney general had been elected during the course of the investigation. Her name was Dana Nessel. Um, and she was uh, elected um, uh, in November of 2018. She took office in January 2019, promising to 
to uh, speak up for those who could not speak for themselves and right. to receive justice for the vulnerable. So we reached out to her in early March and said, you know, we have you know, dug into all these cases. We'd like to give you some of the evidence and what we found and get some comment. And on March the 12th, we met with the attorney general staff of about eight or nine people, presented them with evidence of all these cases, right. um, all the unlicensed nursing homes, the, the theft, all that sort of stuff. And um, they did nothing. Uh, as a matter of fact, she announced an elder abuse task force on March 25th and denied me access to that press conference because um, they knew I would ask questions about right. Oakland County. They didn't want me asking any questions about Oakland County. Ever since then, she has been totally dancing around the topic. She's been talking about reforms, but absolutely no consequences for those who break the law, whether right. they be judges or attorneys. And the families themselves have been getting incredibly frustrated because there's been no action taken from her office whatsoever. Ever. She has literally told them um, things like, um, well, I can't really do anything unless you file a grievance with the attorney discipline board, which is a licensing agency. Right. That would be like it would be like me mugging you in the middle of time in the middle of, of Detroit. And you going to the attorney general and saying, you know, um, well, Gretchen just mugged me. She took off with $50. And the attorney general saying, well, I can't do anything unless right. you file a complaint with the, um, with the Society of Professional Journalists first. I mean, it's the most bizarre, ridiculous statement that anyone could make. The other thing she's told the families is, well, I could arrest these people. Well, what good would that do for oh you? Oh, my God. And the thing, she, she, yeah, she said that. She has absolutely said that. And it's sort of like these families are looking at, what do you mean, what good would it do? Yeah. Because without consequences, these people are just going to carry on breaking. And all of them. Right. The, the only thing she has done, Diane, the only thing she's done is she's fired them as public administrators, which is basically because it's just a job title that has nothing to do with guardianship and conservatorship. It has, it's basically like telling the Duke of Edinburgh, you can no longer be a duke. Right. And that's all it is. And that's all she's done. She has fired them. And they're still going around taking guardianship and conservatorship cases. It's business at normal at that court. Oh, and that court is the most devastating place. I'll tell you, I'm, I, I started likening it to the Marston House in Salem's Lot. Um, there's a quote from that book. It's that the house brooded over the town like a ruined king. And that's what that court does. It is physically an exhausting place. Oh, Everything about it is misery utter misery you would hear the screams of families oh. who had been torn apart while you were in that court you would watch court cases and see families begging to be put back together and these judges just throwing it out and and throwing these families out or bringing in the sheriffs and arresting them it oh was just utterly horrific it's unimaginable yeah i mm. mean in this day and age you can't you can't imagine it it's just ridiculous yeah yeah and and it's Going on, of course, nationwide. In, yes. in Florida, of course, right now, they've just found out that a, a guardian by the name of Rebecca Furley um, was um, executing do not resuscitate orders on her wards without their knowledge or permission. Oh, my God. And she did so on one ward by the name of Stephen Stryker, and he ended up choking to death after she executed a DNR and capped oh. off his feeding tube. And that started a full investigation. And even the governor of that state, Ron DeSantis, said, look, this has got to stop. He said, you know, without consequences, this is just going to go on. And he's the only one who has actually said that. And there is currently a criminal investigation going on to Rebecca Phil. But in Michigan, that is not happening. And these families and these wards and these, you know, such vulnerable, wonderful right. people. No, no reason for them to be in guardianship whatsoever. 
They're not incapacitated. You know, these guardian items, they go in, they ask them three questions. What's the president's name? You know, what's your birthday? What's the day of the week? And if they can't answer one of those questions, they say, boom, you're incapacitated. But that's not the case. A lot of these people could remember everything, oh, everything about the guardianship, their entire history. Some, one of them asked me her name um, was Nancy Haddock. She goes, where's my house? I, and I'd already, I knew it had been sold from right. under her to, uh, a Russian, to a Russian investor. And I said, um, I don't know how to tell you this. Your house has been sold. Oh, and she gosh. just looked devastated. I just can't. And she said, you put that man. I said, she says, do, do what you have to do, Gretchen. You put that man in jail. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. And, yeah. and it's real. And people talk to and you. You tell people this and they say, no, that can't. This cannot be happening in the United States of America. There's no way that someone who is perfectly innocent can get their civil rights stripped from them and then get, you know, be placed inside something that's akin to being a, a, an imprisoned felon, if not worse. And and you say, no, it's true. It's absolutely real. And it does happen on a daily basis. What can we do? What can our audience do? How can we help? Well, I think raising awareness is one of the big things. Um, you know, as I, I've, I've, I've spoken to a number of groups, and unfortunately, they're, they're rather like the Catholic priest abuse survivors back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah. You know, they were very marginalized. There was No one really believed them until the Boston Globe article came out in 2002. It really kind of blew the lid off it. I, I think people really need to start listening to folks who say they are suffering from probate court guardianship abuse and elevating their stories and helping to spread them around and share them around and demanding accountability. That's the main thing. Right. These people will continue to do what they are doing unless someone steps up and arrests them, investigates them, arrests them and says that there are consequences. You can put all the legislation in the world out there, but it isn't doing any good because the judges are not obeying the law. Right. And neither are the guardians. And until that happens, and that's what people need to do, they need to start demanding it. They need to start demanding investigations and the safety of these vulnerable people. And I think also in America, there has to be a sea change in attitude towards the elderly. Yes. Um, yeah. America is a very ageist place. Right. I've noticed that. Um, the, you know, you see this sort of disconnect between the millennials and, and the baby boomers. And, and that has to change because these are your parents, these right. are your grandparents. These will be me. I'm, I'm Generation X. So I'm some of next in line, you know. And, um, you know, you have to start thinking about this in, in terms of the future and saying, okay, we've got to put a stop to this right now. Right, right. Because, you know, someone, a total stranger, can come in based on the fact that you're bipolar and take everything that you've ever owned or saved or had or earned it's just, you, I mean it's, there's just no way um, that that should be allowed and I think people need to start pushing this out and I think people need to start pushing pushing that on um, and pushing it and pushing it forward um, the, the conversation the dialogue I, I, I mean an outstanding nursing home bill and then, and it just it, it boggles yes. our mind there is no there is there is no Michigan statute which says that someone should be put under guardianship as a, as a collection agency. There's nothing in there that says that at all. So these guys are disobeying the law. Gretchen, and it's got to stop. Gretchen, thank you so much for what you're doing. And thank you so much for being a guest. And we would love to have you back. Oh, thank you, Dan. It's been an absolute honor. Before we go, I just want to tell you all something. As many of you know, my mom passed away in uh, mid-September, and I just wanted to thank everyone for their your notes and your emails and your your cards and letters. Uh, it it's been 
a, a rough road, but my mom lived a great life, and um, we're sad and, and we miss her dearly. But she she lived her life the way she wanted, and she was always happy and had a great sense of humor and always meeting people and would talk to anyone and help anyone and she just um, enjoyed her life and that's what we try to keep close to our heart and I just want to thank all of you for reaching out to me and my family and it, it means so much to to us and you are my family parents are hard to raise family and my mom she loved being on the show and I wanted to try to get her back uh, for one more show but she was just too weak to do it uh, but she she would be so happy that you remembered her and I just can't thank you enough Thanks again. Parents are Hard to Raise is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. And from the, our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week.